1: hi and welcome to the state of cannabis news hour where we bring you all the top stories you need to know and talk about them for four minutes and 20 seconds we are a group of experts in different cannabis spaces with a wide diversity of perspectives and life experiences. Our news is bite-sized and infused with a nice mix of facts, opinions, and a pinch of humor. It's Monday, April 4th, 2022. This is episode number 250. I'm Susan Sorries, the founder of the State of Cannabis News Hour, author of the children's book What's Growing in Grandma's Garden, and cannabis is favorite grandma, aka Nanogram. If you're listening to the podcast or watching on the YouTube channel, the show is live every weekday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Clubhouse. Spark it up with us and over 28,000 State of Cannabis News Hour members if you want to be an audience participant. Otherwise, please subscribe to support our show. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a review. Today we're talking about New Mexico launches into adult use with high sales, Cory Booker wants to drop his new bill on 420, New York City is becoming trap city, the White House is tight-lipped on federal legalization, cannabis in pregnancy, cannabis and sex, and many other frosty nuggets, so stay tuned for the full 60 minutes of the State of Cannabis News Hour. The following program contains coarse language and nudity viewer discretion is advised audience feel free to raise your hands if you want to weigh in on a headline after it's been read and we'll try to bring you up to the stage keep it brief and relevant or you might get the gong Kicking off the show today is Rico Lamite. He likes to ask the tough questions that the mainstream media refuses to ask. The self-proclaimed dopest dad alive is here to encourage other dope dads. Find him on TEDx or at one of his Cannavision events, but always find him here every weekday as co-producer of the State of Cannabis News Hour. What have you got today, Rico?
2: Well, happy Monday, Susan. I apologize everybody in advance. I got a little gentrification going on in my neighborhood. So if you hear a little construction in the background, that's what it is. My story is coming from Jonathan D. Salant uh, from NJ.com. Booker aims for 420 to drop a new legal weed bill. New Yorkers may or may not remember, but Chuck Schumer called for... Uh, the changing of federal laws on cannabis on 420, 2018 ironically making him the highest-ranking federal lawmaker to do so at that point. The uh, the career politician appears to have had a thing for weed holidays because last year he re-upped, calling for an end to the federal cannabis ban again. This year, New Jersey's very own U.S. Senator Cory Booker and Senate Finance Chair Ron Wyden of Oregon are dropping hints that uh, on what they believe to be the most anticipated heat since Red Man's last studio release. Could it be the Cannabis Administration and Opportunity Act? I think so. The Democratic trio has been promising the greatest legislation of all time that would uh, both end federal prohibition and help those hardest hit by the war on drugs. But like Dr. Dre's mythical detox effort fans have been waiting on for decades now, does the shit even exist? We all saw the released outline in July, and the highlights were proposing to end federal decriminalization, um, allowing states to decide their own marketplaces, expungement for all, nonviolent cannabis crimes, and, of course, more taxes for all, essentially mandating federal social equity. Since then, so, uh, South Carolina's Nancy Mace released her state's Reform Act to mostly positive reviews. Last week, cross-Washington allies at the House dropped their tightened-up version of the Moore Act, which passed again. I guess all this attention elsewhere got Corey B, Chuck Shue, and Ronnie Wides all in their feelings because the streets have been talking. And so they had to give them what they needed. Booker personally spoke to NJ, Cannabis Insider, and other news outlets at the U.S. Capitol doing a little media hype. I don't mean this to fully be in jest, but there's been a lot of conversation about doing it on 420. He alluded to Supreme Court nominations in the Ukrainian war holding up the process. Aspirationally, I would love to see it done on 420, but I can't speak to that given all the things that are sort of backing up in the Senate. But given the Moore Act just barely passed last week with Republican Congressional Cannabis Caucus co-chair David Joyce dissing the shit out of it, calling it nothing more than a messaging bill with no chance of reaching the Senate floor for a vote, does anyone at this point have confidence in the COAOA passing in the Senate where 10 more votes above having everyone on board on the Democratic side are needed? Subjectively, I believe the greatest album of all time, Jay-Z's The Blueprint dropped on the same day as the Twin Towers, 9/11, 2001. Had it have not been an absolute masterpiece, Jay never would have been who we know him as today. Yes, I know 420 is not 9/11, but it if these dudes drop a dud of a bill killing everybody's high on the day stoners care about most, I think it might be over for the Dems. Bottom line, we don't need no cute 420 distractions, people continue To get locked up and murdered for this shit every day Do your jobs and release a competent bill Appealing to both sides Because the word on the block is Biggest difference between your shit and the more act Is the heftier tax burden that's coming After it With the way inflation and gas prices are looking The COA OA just might be the buzzkill Nobody wants on 420 Deadass This is Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street Reporting live for the State of Cannabis News NewsHour Love to hear y'all's thoughts on this one
1: I agree with you, Rico. I, he said that he didn't mean to say this in jest. Uh, it seems like it's a joke, like 420 is a joke and it's funny, ha-ha. It, it isn't a joke. It's medicine for a lot of people. It's medicine for me. And you're right. Get it right. It's not a joke.
2: They're playing with people's lives.
1: Well, it's
3: pretty clear they're going to get it wrong. Um, from what I've heard about this bill dropping, um, it is not supposed to have changed dramatically at all from the draft that they released last year, uh, that did not make the industry happy. Um, so I think you're going to have to expect very high taxes. I don't think there's much forethought into it. Um, but if they do pull this off, I mean, last year they were trying to drop the draft bill in April as well, and that never happened. Um, so we'll see if they can pull off doing it again this time around. Um, But if they do, it's going to be 500 pages. No one's going to read it all on 420. So maybe the holiday will be
4: safe. Good morning, everyone. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Um, It would be nice to see it pass. However, our friends across the aisle are determined not to give President Biden a win. They even voted against capping the price of insulin at $35. If you can't get behind that, you really are more concerned about obstruction than helping the American people.
5: I think it's more important to pass a comprehensive reform that actually does something for the people instead of passing a bill just for the sake of passing a bill that's going to increase taxes extraordinarily and make them so high that it's not even going to be worth it to be in the cannabis space anymore.
1: Why does, it, why does it need to be 500 pages long?
5: That's what that's what well, Congress it, 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 it is. Complicated. Up with it's complicated. And there's so many different laws and so many different sections that pertain to cannabis and so many different sections in different codes of law that those all have to be readdressed in order to actually make it work.
3: I mean, the MORE Act was 400 pages. I mean, bills are quite often very hefty when they're trying to change a, ma- a major federal policy. Um, and, Dr. Felicia, I mean, even if this does, by some miracle, get passed which would be a huge miracle. Joe Biden is never going to sign it. So you don't have to worry about that.
5: Yeah, Biden doesn't even want to give himself a win, Dr. Felicia. In light of all of the extremely high gas prices, I'm starting a new campaign with cannabis that's called Buy Better Gas. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I see
6: what you did there, mister.
1: Yeah, Gary, did you want to weigh in?
6: Absolutely, yeah. We have a um, podcast on Sunday mornings, and two weeks ago, we had the chance to interview uh, Representative Nancy Mason. I highly recommend you go back and, take, and check it out. She gave it her, her detail in regards to what her thoughts were behind the bill. I, I think that she wants to go ahead and merge her bill with the Moore Act so they can get bipartisan support. A Republican bill with a Democratic bill merged together moving towards the Senate has a much better chance than the bill that's currently in the Senate, which is actually a gift to big business.
3: Well, I'm sure Nancy Mace has lots of hopes and dreams, but that's not going to happen. Her bill had nothing to do with social equity, no provisions whatsoever. um, And that's just not going to fly.
2: I think, you know, Nancy Mace's bill at this point, it doesn't really have to have anything to do with social equity, um, because if the COA OA is as much of a dud as (laughs) most people think it's going to be, um, the Republicans are going to take over. and. They're going to have majority, and they're going to get Nancy Mace's bill passed. That's that's my prediction. I think we should rename the CAOA the Boof Bill.
7: <laughs> I think that the way that everyone is struggling with this silly acronym of CAOA is really indicative is really indicative of how little effort they've spent on it, and I mean, 500 pages or not, and how much thought that has has not gone into it. All the, all the other bills are are, are memorable and uh, at least that's sort of you know step one to try to make something actually get through. All they had to do was put another C in it and they could have been you know pumping
2: that OT Genesis. I'm in love with the cocoa. I just feel they need to rename a bill and
7: call it the weed bill and find some acronym for weed. I, I would agree. something something that's memorable, something that can actually get people behind absolutely.
6: I should also mention that one of the reasons these bills are so long, if you take a look at the bill itself, they have to at least 40 times mention the fact that marijuana is not spelled with an H uh, and, and move on from there. That's, that's that, that how granular these bills have to get. But as I was mentioning before, if you go ahead and check the, uh, our podcast, The Rotation by Suncoast Normal, you'll, you'll have a chance to hear what she has to say about her bill. And I hope that helps. Uh, Gary, um,
2: uh, the other thing is they're saying marijuana on these bills. Marijuana is not a thing. Cannabis is.
6: <laughs> yeah, I actually filed a constitutional amendment in the uh, state of Florida to use the word cannabis in all laws to keep a certain amount of uh, homogeneity in regards to the message is concerned. And they, they voted it down. So half misspelled marijuana with a J, half with an H, and another half with, uh, with being called cannabis. Hopefully we can, we can move forward with that and try to get... Beyond it.
2: I, I mean, as petty as this nation is, all I could see down the well, line is a challenge with on a technicality because marijuana is not a fucking thing.
8: Well, the part of the issue is is when you're um, writing new legislation, you kind of have to stick with what was previously written before. Um, so you kind of have to build on new laws uh, based off of other bills and that they reference, and if they've referenced in the first place marijuana that's kind of like the language that they have to use. Otherwise, it's a big problem.
7: I think they can just refer to the former language and just what Gary just said, just announce that we're changing it. In fact, that's one of the things that happens in this bill. So I think they can handle it that way. It can't be that hard.
8: You would think, right?
5: (laughs) Yeah. But you know what they could do in the meantime? They can pass safe banking.
1: What the H. All right. Let's keep <laughs> moving. Next up is co-producer Jason Beck. His provocative spin keeps the show popping. He has proven to be one of the most resilient players in the weed game since starting his first store in San Francisco. His Midas Touch is going to take the State of Cannabis News Hour to the next level. What is your headline today, Jason?
5: Oh, yeah. Thank you so much, Susan. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Monday. And today, my story comes out of New York, where unlicensed marijuana dispensaries multiply like gremlins in New York City, despite warnings from state regulators. On a recent afternoon, a sales associate at Street Lawyer Services, a marijuana dispensary on the Lower East Side, scrolled through the shop's inventory on the screen as Oliver, a return customer, looked on because the store's gifting model, he was technically there to purchase digital content such as a video or a mixtape that just happened to come out with a cannabis gift of his choice. Oliver chose a $40 content pack that included THC edibles packaged to look like a popular brand of sour gummies. He weighed different options for a vape cartridge, finally landing on a on one labeled with a strain called Girl Scout Cookies for $60. His total for these and other goodies came out to about $200, and he also opted to become a member of the shop. That way, he could get future discounts and perks, which include free access to the colorfully painted lounge in the back. Oliver, who asked for his name uh, to be withheld because of the stigma still associated with cannabis, said he preferred his retail experience over texting a dealer. He says, it's a great thing, he said. I feel like it's more regulated and safer. I feel like walking into a store better than some random guy coming to my house. New York City is already known for having one of the most robust underground cannabis markets in the world. There's no shortage of potent products or sophisticated branding, and convenient home delivery has been the norm ever since the the invention of cellular phones. But since New York legalized cannabis for adult use last March and lowered the penalties for unlawful sales, it's also become increasingly easy to pick up a pre-rolled joint or bag of gummies from a store. That's the case, even, even though the first licensed dispensary aren't even supposed to open until the end of 2022 some shops uh paint to loop uh, point to loopholes in the law to make the case that they're operating legally in addition to being uh an an offer in Washington square park and at some bodegas and some shops, marijuana is now being sold at dedicated dispensaries. About half a dozen of these have opened near street lawyer services just within the past few months, while others have clustered has emerged along a corridor on seventh Avenue near Times square. Other shops and trucks are scattered all across the five boroughs, regardless of which scheme unlicensed dispensaries go with. However, state cannabis regulators aren't buying it. But that's not stopping these stores from multiplying, and it's still unclear whether there will be any real consequences for running an unlicensed business as New York's legal market gets off the ground. The State of New York Cannabis Management Office has sought to crack down by sending out 52 cease and desist letters so far. And a quote, failure to cease this activity puts your ability to obtain a license in the legal cannabis market at substantial risk. A sample letter from the state reads, the unlicensed sale of cannabis is illegal and subjects you to substantial fines and possible criminal penalties. One recipient of the state's cease and desist letter, Lauren Forsh said she will stop selling THC products at her Manhattan shop because she doesn't want to put her chances of getting a license at risk, but she said it was a tough decision. Lauren Fish, owner of Propped NYC, says, I'm a super cautious person, but I'm also a business person who owns who owns a licensed CBD shop on the lower east side how do I watch all these other people do this and I can't, she says. Others say it's worth the risk to be able to introduce the brand to consumers before, they, before their competitors. And one cannabis industry veteran who opened an unlicensed dispensary in Manhattan in early March spoke to the Gothamist on a condition of an- anonymity because they were concerned about getting shut down. And they say, we felt like we were late to the party on the West Coast, said the owner of the shop which also uses a gifting model there was just a tremendous amount of competition And New York State is is building a legal-regulated cannabis market that will ensure products are tested and safe for consumers while providing opportunities for those communities most impacted by the over-criminalization of cannabis prohibition. Aaron Giltman, a spokesperson for the Office of Cannabis Management, said in a statement to the Gothamist, illegal uh, operations undermine our ability to do that. And State Senator Diane Savio, a Democrat who represents Southern Brooklyn and Staten Island, introduced a bill in early March that aims to close any potential loopholes in the law and about half a dozen cannabis users who spoke to gotham said they will continue to rely on their dealers to some extent even if they have sample store-bought products because they have at least established some level of trust with their dealer well i'll tell you what new york you're going to have an uphill battle trying to uh trying to put all this sand back into the bottle this
2: is jason beck reporting for the state of cannabis news hour it just seems like New York is headed in uh, the same direction as Los Angeles. <laughs> totally, Rico. Totally. <laughs> yep. I believe there was
5: even a quote in there from law enforcement saying how they didn't really want to enforce on cannabis as well
2: um, because of the shift that 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 the city has forced them to take. Doctor Bong, you want to come up and and talk about talk about your city?
1: Are these are are what are they selling? Are they uh trap just, products, Susan? Okay.
5: It's all trap products.
1: With the oh, fake the, packaging. It's,
5: no, it's hey, all team, real packaging, but you know, just trap the packaging products. is excellent in New York,
2: by the way. <laughs> the trap packaging is world fucking class. Yeah, Isn't and
9: they're it? all exploiting the state of California warning label. It's crazy was, here. It's crazy here. It's like it's it's a sh- it's been a shit show and it's gonna stay a shit show. Like Rico said, like Jason said. I mean, I just it's crazy because in the dispensary, like where the dispensary is that I work at within like a block radius, there's at least four or five, you know, illegal or uh, legacy places going. So we'll see what happens, fellas. Just I make sure I get a bulletproof vest. That's all I can say.
10: I mean, I was just in New York a couple weeks ago, and you can really I'm talking to everybody in the industry. This is Dr. Mary Clifton. And, you know, you can go to any bodega. You don't really even have to go to these uh, pop-ups. You can just go to any bodega and tell them you want uh, cannabis, and they pull a little tray out from behind the counter. So it's not only just a D eight and D ten. I mean, that's really like not even desirable in New York anymore. Everybody's just selling THC from the
2: corner stores. It's
10: ridiculous.
2: I can attest to that. Being in uh, uh, being in the city at the end of last year, you can see a CBD store, CBD store, CBD store, and you see three. Weed men right outside. <laughs> you want the real <laughs> shit? <laughs> hey,
5: and, and, and Dr. Bong, to your, to your comment about having to get the bulletproof vest, I think what New Yorkers are really going to need is a set of boof-proof lungs.
1: <laughs> 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 Matthew, <laughs> Matthew, did you want to weigh in and then Todd and then uh, we need to keep moving?
5: Absolutely. Yeah, the, the quickest statement I could make is, I mean, honestly, if they cared about all these unlicensed or unregistered you know trap stars whatever you want to call it they'd go to your packaging people and they'd be looking at the list of where they send it to unlicensed states and or unlicensed people because all those packages come from sticker farmer and all the people from the side they know
9: exactly where the packaging comes from
5: so follow the packaging find your unlicensed people not that hard I'll chime in fast, Susan, and that is, it is not ridiculous when someone said, we go outside and there's four unlicensed. It's not ridiculous.
2: That's the way it is. The unregulated market is growing faster than the regulated market. We know that. And it's going to continue to. And it's not ridiculous. It's the way it is. And they're both going to have to exist together, and they can. I'm done. Well, we got I mean, because they're
10: both really one in the same market. I think both markets are being fed by the same producers and serviced by the same packagers and And, you know, when you're not making money on one market, a lot of companies flip over to legacy. It's not as though we're talking about two different individuals in a lot of cases. It's the, it's the same company. We've got
1: another New Yorker up from the audience. Easy gas, easy gas. You get the last word.
9: Yeah. I just wanted to chime in when you guys were talking about um, the booth. You said the booth booth, you're going to need a booth fest. Well, the biggest brands from California and New York city, They both do black market and they do the legal market also. So your biggest brands are doing the black market, just to let you guys know that. So in New York City, we have one of we have we are we are the biggest ones of the black market of the big brands. So like all those big brands that are in your stores, they are they are available in New York City. On the legacy, on, at the legacy level, those brands are just those packaging brands. It might not necessarily be those brands. That is not true. So now, if you now that's that's when you have to know your dealer. So I'll use me as an example. I travel to California to get these big brands. So Backpack Boys, you could say cookies, any of these big brands, they do black market allegedly. Not allegedly. This is a fact. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not speaking allegedly. I'm speaking fact. This <laughs> is what goes on. So those big brands, are they make the most money on the black market. You're not going to make no money in no dispensary. None of these big brands make money in dispensaries. It's all made on the black market. And that's just.
2: We're going to go to the next story.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I, I love speaking the fact. You don't want to, you don't want to go for the bait, Rico? <laughs>
2: it's, too, it's, too, it's too easy. And um, some power bait, bro. I live out here.
9: <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't know who you are. Who are who, who am I speaking? Who is this speaking?
2: Nobody. <laughs> All right, could be nobody. Nobody. Easy gas oh, is big in we, NYC. we gotta go to the next. In New we York gotta go City, to next story, easy brother. gas is
9: big, huge. We're not speaking from a. We speaking from a the real, the real world.
2: Oh, I not know this fake world. Oh, 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 oh right? I I know wholeheartedly. But uh, we gotta go to the next story though. All right appreciate you man all right so up next wait
1: wait 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 sorry we've got a lawyer that wants to weigh in team member (laughs) victoria just quickly i mean i think it's fair to assume
3: everyone uh there's a lot of uh, people from california people who know what's going on in general but i still think jason's point is still true there's going to be a lot of people in new york who aren't those people that have experience that are trying to put things into the market because you're right like it's way easier to make it in in the legacy black market and not everyone is actually legacy and so i do think there's going to be a lot of bad weed in New York, and a lot of good weed in both markets. Actually, probably worse weed in the legal market.
5: More more, more boof than fire. That's why sure. all Americans should focus on buying better gas.
4: And and Jaja, since I see the um article at the top of the page, that that bill just barely passed. Over a hundred Republicans voted no on that bill. It just barely passed, but it wasn't thanks to the Republicans.
5: How many Democrats voted no
2: on the bill, Dr. Felicia? Well let's, well, let's hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, before we get to that, let's, let's hold that conversation until after the story. So let's, let me introduce our next person. So he's a communication strategist and publisher of the American Cannabis Report. While flying high on Earth, he's known to the public as Superman. But before hotboxing hot boxing in the nearest phone booth, keen eyed citizens have reported his real identity to be none other than Christopher Smith. What you got for us today, my man? What you got?
7: Uh, Thank you very much, Rico. Good morning, Susan and Jason. A little squirrely, I've been feeling lately. A little nervous, I am. uh, Fretted about my state of cannabis uh, teammates that I'm focusing too much on the news, which is in the past, not enough on what is coming at us. Feeling a disturbance in the force I was that I'm not prepared for the enemies at the gate because we all know that we have enemies all around and that some of them are already inside the wire. Big Ag is inside since January. Scott's Miracle Grow has spent more than $500 million acquiring Lux Lighting, Liberty Bags, and last week, Aton Healthcare. Uh, Pharma is here, acquiring companies for at least $14 billion in the last year and a half. Big Sig is here. My Pax vape reminds me that Pax spun out Jewel and sold part of it to Altria, which is codename for Darth Sidious, which is name for Emperor Palpatine, which is name for Philip Morris, which bought 35% of Jewel for $12.8 billion. And big alcohol is all over us. Pap's Blue Ribbon even just got on board. Enemies all around us. We have last week, the House of Representatives approved the Moore Act, which would decriminalize and deschedule cannabis in one fell swoop, perhaps treated normally by banks and doctors and insurance companies and police, we might one day be. After all, normal law-abiding citizens, we are. Patients who need medicine, we are. Legal adult use in 19 states, legal for medicinal use in 39, cannabis is. A huge majority we have. But look more closely at more, at the more vote. 204 voted against. All but three Republicans voted against. Some people in this room would try to tell you that Republicans are the only ones, the only hope for cannabis legislation to get through Congress. But confused I am about how that might happen for 50 years at all levels of government, from federal down to state down to local. The Republican position has been party line against cannabis ever since a Republican president declared war on drugs 50 years ago. What scares me more than the more vote is that on the same day, another bill that should have screamed through Congress without a scratch, merely squeaked through by an almost identical vote, 193 Republicans voted against a bill that would limit the price of insulin to $35 a month. What fuckery is this? Insulin was created a century ago in 1921, a hundred years. Its cost has not increased. The research costs have been amortized a long time ago. Indeed, it still costs $10 to make a vial of the drug that's used by 7 to 10 million Americans who will die if they don't get it. Yet even American families with insurance are paying hundreds of dollars per vial. The Kaiser Family Foundation says that costs for patients can raise between $334 and $1,000 a month for insulin. That's causing some people to cut their dose to make it to the end of the month. And this means Americans are dying because pharma is profiteering them to death. And yet, 193 Republicans voted to allow pharma to keep profiteering from sick people who have no alternative. Profiteering is a heinous moral crime, and these 193 Republicans showed they're willing to be complicit in robbing and killing Americans. The vote against rational insulin policy tells you Republicans are not afraid to lose American lives to keep pharma donations flowing. So what do you think they're going to do to us potheads? Big ag, big pharma, big tobacco, big alcohol, and Republicans, enemies all around we have. And I'm done speaking.
2: Y'all yeah, want to commence that conversation, Jason and uh, Dr. Felicia?
4: Well, you know, Jason talking about what, what Democrats didn't vote for. The, any Democrat that didn't vote for it, if they didn't, because I haven't seen, I thought all the Democrats voted for it, but if they didn't, it's because they're just one of the ones in the pocket of big pharma. I mean, this is, a, this is like a no-brainer. To suggest that
3: this is just a Republican issue is ridiculous. I mean yeah. there's
4: plenty of dems in the
3: pockets of big pharma too.
4: No, no, I I, I exactly. they they are they're, they're, of course they are. Like no, I'm not, Feinstein I'm not. like Feinstein and um, Well Feinstein for sure. But That's Feinstein's right. a senator, this was a house you, Dr. Felicia? vote.
5: This was a house vote Diane
7: Feinstein's in the Senate. She wouldn't even same. vote on this. Same, same idea, same general
4: idea. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying names. there there are people representatives and senators in the pockets of big pharma, but this is a slam this is a slam dunk. If you if you really care about people passed. You you should have voted for this bill. This is a no How many pages was
5: this bill? How many pages was this bill?
4: I don't care. You don't need, you You should care because there's probably a bunch of stuff written in the bill that that, that is designed to
5: fuck shit up more than just to, than just fix the cost of insulin, which is probably a number of members voted against it.
4: That's always the excuse. That's always, it's always the truth.
3: Well, this is, this is why I make the argument that cannabis should be passed in a more piecemeal fashion Um, So there is clarity on, like, this bill is for expungement. You want to vote for it? Great. But when you build these 500, 400-page bills with everything under the sun, everyone can hide under something and say, no, I didn't agree with this provision or that provision, and then it never gets done. That's why you need smaller bills that are specific, like safe banking.
11: I do agree with Gretchen that once you get a bill that's 500, 600 pages, it gives... Even if there is no excuse to jump out of that bill, it gives lawmakers an excuse to say, hey, well, you got this one issue in and I can't vote for it. And I, I agree with you 100 percent, Gretchen.
1: I'm going to relight the room.
0: I have, I have a you question. You are tuned in to the State of Cannabis News Hour, your daily dose.
10: The thoughts and opinions expressed in the State of Cannabis News Hour are those of the individual speakers, not those of any other speaker the State of Cannabis or its members. The statements made in the State of Cannabis News Hour do not constitute legal or accounting advice, and the State of Cannabis and its speakers make no representation regarding the legal status of any substance in any country, area, or territory or any other authorities. The views expressed in this room do not establish any fiduciary relationships. The sponsorship of the State of Cannabis News Hour do not imply or constitute any endorsement by the State of Cannabis or the expressions of any opinions whatsoever on the part of the State of Cannabis or any of its speakers.
6: Viewer discretion
5: advised.
1: Let's keep smoking the news.
5: All right. Here we go. Coming up next, we have Adelia Carrillo. She's the CMO of the award-winning tech platform Event Eye and co-host of the groundbreaking women-focused Blunt Brunch event series. Taking us, uh, taking us today is Adelia Carrillo. What do you have for us today, girl? Good
12: morning, good morning. So today's article is cannabis stores push into malls, airports, as competition among retailers increase. This is from the Canadian Press by by Tara DeCamps. So earlier this year, I shared with you all about the cannabis store opening up this summer at the British Columbia's George Airport uh, by Owen Ritz and Reed Horton. This specific article dives into the various unique locations we are seeing storefronts popping up all throughout Canada. Uh, In the most recent months, they are now popping up at the malls, gas station plazas, and beside breweries um there actually is even a british columbia cannabis retailer called seed and stone who is planning to open a virtual dispensary in the metaverse now since canada legalized recreational cannabis more than three years ago cannabis shops have started popping up everywhere in ontario alone there's uh, 1100 stores since last september and now areas like toronto queens um there's They're calling for legislation due to the close proximity of these storefronts. Uh, The proximity is, of course, amping up competition among the stores um, and has some people talking that this is going to start having closures for these entrepreneurs, realizing that owning a cannabis shop isn't a guaranteed moneymaker when it's a crowded market. Um, Now, there's a quote from Joanne McNeish, uh, who is a professor specializing in marketing. She says, the whole industry completely misunderstood what would happen because they thought the only barrier is legalization. And once we're legal, people will just buy. Now, many do see these locations, however, to help destigmatize cannabis for people. Um, and this is why Canopy actually brought Tokyo Smoke cannabis shops to malls throughout a partnership with Edmonton Oilers, owner the Katz Group. Uh, so Tokyo Smoke is also one of these storefronts. They have eight shopping centers and at least uh, another three on the way. Um, They also have a store in Scarborough Gas Station Plaza, besides Cool Beer Brewing Company in Toronto. Um, So now they also go into talking about another company called High Tide Inc., who is also looking at uh, utilizing a unique perspective, and he's going the mall route. Um, He's at the mall route in large shopping areas. Um, So High Tide can typically um, have a location that's in the malls opening up by Canada. It's called Canna Cabana Shops, uh, which is in the St. Ville Center and Alberta's Prairie Mall. Um, Now, the challenges and the concerns, though, with these, specifically for the malls, it's A, finding locations which will... Uh, be chosen to avoid enticing children, while also ensuring security cameras chase every um, trace every part of the journey of cannabis deliveries, from making the loading dock to the store shelf. Uh, a requirement for all these shops. Now, when it goes back to the airports, there are more challenges because travelers cannot board flights departing Canada with cannabis, um, and so that's a really big concern that they are trying to reach. They say that several airlines don't feel these measures are enough and are worried that airport storefronts would encourage pre-flight and onboard cannabis consumption. So um, with that, it's just an overview of the capacity of how Canada is utilizing storefronts through malls, airports, and again, um, gas stations. And uh, I just wanted to say, you know, I'm curious of everyone's thoughts on this. And do you think we'll be seeing a dispensary in a mall or airlines anytime soon in the U.S.? This is Adelia, and I'm reporting for the State of Cannabis Hour.
2: The dispensaries are already uh, popping up in the malls. I oh, see me uh, already popping up in the um in the airports, right? Didn't we uh, report on one of those?
5: This is all in Canada, Rico, where it's all already federally legal. This is
2: not happening in the US. All right. Yeah. And I mean, shopping malls are dying anyways. I'd be surprised by the time federal legalization actually happens that um we still even have shopping malls or what we can see as shopping malls now. I can see like express pickup shops and stuff like that, but you know, the, our concept of shopping malls is damn near dead anyways.
12: One of them, which I found interesting, one of them is the high tide guys. They're leveraging digital kiosks and lockers. Yeah. So that'll be yeah. interesting if they utilize that. But you're right on the malls. That is true.
5: Until you get the real criminals with the real criminals and crowbars. And all of a sudden, they just start busting in that shit and stealing all of
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucked up, but it's the, it, that's 100% true. It's 100% facts. And safe banking ain't going to save them either, because ain't nobody safe. Yeah,
5: there ain't no safe banking for, for vending machines.
1: Let's keep smoking the news.
2: Let's. All right, so up next, she is a uh, CEO of award-winning original Breeders League, MJ BizCon's 2021 Golden Bong Influencer of the Year, and universally recognized as one of the dopest mamas ever to grace this planet Earth. Coming to the stage, Priscilla Agoncilla. What you got for us today, this morning, P.?
8: thanks so much Rico all right so my story is cannabis better for sex here's what science says the ask well column highlighted treatments for low libido in women um, afterwards several several readers wanted to know if cannabis could be added to the list of potential remedies so uh, this question is especially relevant now that the US House Representatives have passed a bill decriminalizing cannabis at a federal level, but anyway, according to a 2020 study, nearly 18% of Americans aged 12 or older had used cannabis within the past year, and more than two-thirds of Americans support legalizing it, um, according to various polls. So uh, about cannabis and sex, this article turned to several experts, including a gynecologist who has surveyed women about their cannabis use. A lot of anecdotal evidence suggests that the right dose of cannabis can make a woman's orgasms more satisfying and increase sex drive. Um, A lot of findings show that cannabis can enhance the senses and also alleviate some of the symptoms that inhibit desire, like anxiety, sleeplessness, or pain. Uh, Both men and women have reported that cannabis alters their sexual experience. Um, In one study published in 1971, um, and also uh, an essay from Carl Sagan, a longtime cannabis user, uh, he wrote that cannabis enhances the enjoyment of sex and gives an exquisite sensitivity. Anyway, all of this is based on limited evidence. Uh, we all know why, because federal funding hasn't been put into studying it. It's been very difficult to do so. But uh, the drug does seem to enhance the sexual experience among many women and men who already use it. Um One doctor said that she has had several patients come to her and say that they have low libido. Can they help? And oh, by the way, if I use cannabis, I can orgasm. No problem. Uh, This doctor is Dr. Becky Lynn. She was the author of the latest study that was published. Um, So she is a sexual medicine and menopause expert and founder of Evora Women's Health in St. Louis. Uh, They also tell her that low libido improves with their cannabis use. Another study published in 2019 surveyed 373 women about cannabis um, at an obstetrics and gynecology clinic in Missouri. Of those, 34% reported having used cannabis before sexual activity, and most of them said that it resulted in an increased sex drive improve orgasm, and decreased pain. Other studies say that some women use cannabis to help manage menopause symptoms like hot flashes, night sweats, insomnia, uh, vaginal changes such as dryness, all of which may contribute to lower libido when, it's, um, when it goes untreated. Another online survey of more than 200 women and men who use cannabis found that nearly 60% said that cannabis increased their desire for sex. Almost th- 74% reported increased sexual satisfaction. Um, the article also continues with recommendations from uh, various physicians and medical experts on how to consume, how much to consume, how to get started. And it also shows additional data from other studies showing some other findings. I encourage everyone to read about it if you are interested in how cannabis can improve sex for you. This is Priscilla reporting for the SSE NewsHour.
2: I like these. I really like these studies. You know, it, they are, you know, quote in the obvious, you know, that we've known forever. Yes. Cannabis does is, improve your sex life. I want to um, get more granular, though, and, and talk about the different strains and, and, and the different terpene profiles that help you out in different situations. I think that's when we get to the real climax of the situation.
4: Well, you know, anecdotally speaking, cannabis certainly helps with libido and the sexual experience. Um, However, there are a lot of women who are suffering from painful periods that I would like to see that as a qualifying condition before we do libido, Um, just speaking to the people who I treat and who are suffering out there.
5: Priscilla, did it mention if certain THC percentages, products are, are better or worse for this situation's
8: No, um, they didn't mention specific products or uh, ratios or anything like that. They they talked about how to get started. Like you want to, you know, um, they recommended tinctures, things like that, and how to titrate, which is basically, you know, you take a small. If you're a first time user, you take small amounts. Another uh, recommendation from an expert is to try it alone before having sex uh, with a partner. Um, you want to make sure that you can handle it. Uh, there was a big, uh, a big focus on making sure that you actually have the ability to, um, be, to have consensual sex if you are, if you are high and, uh, which I, <laughs> that's ridiculous, but either way, um, that was something that, uh, they pointed out like, Hey, Use it with yourself. Use it during masturbation first before you incorporate a partner, just to make sure that you can, you know, that you're conscious. In oh my me. gosh, make sure that it's consensual because you're too high to know what yeah, exactly.
10: I, oh That's
1: man! Fucking classic. Oh man. Prohibitionists, Mary, Doctor Clifton, what <laughs> to help us?
10: Yes. I, I just presented a, uh, I just presented a recent study on my TikTok about this that uh, that. But I think that the study may have been funded by somebody who makes uh, chocolates because they were saying that people who use cannabis for sexuality preferred chocolates and that women like these new THC uh, lubricating oils, these THC containing oils. But there's some really uh, interesting uh, THC delivery systems through, uh, lubricating oils or through this stuff that looks almost like RSO. It's a, it's like 50 to 80 milligrams of THC that, uh, you can get from, uh, I can't remember the company in New York, but it's meant to be, um, uh placed inside the vagina like forty minutes to an hour before sexual activity. And uh I'm sure it crosses the mucosal membranes. And Dr. Felicia could probably give some input here and probably uh get you pretty ripped. But a lot of people that I talk to within the cannabis community, a lot of women will tell me that they don't uh have sex without cannabis. That it just makes it that much better.
2: Get you hoo ha hi.
5: Mm-hmm. Rico, have you ever been too high that you couldn't drop your load? Um I don't
7: remember.
10: You don't have to answer <laughs> that Rico. That, that's a good Seriously, answer. Seriously. I do not recall.
7: Pers-
8: um, yes, but please yeah. Don't answer personal
7: it. questions for I 100 like a- Rico.
8: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Cannabis is personal to me.
8: <laughs> well there, there there is uh to what my, uh, Dr. Mary said there's some amazing products that are coming out um I'm uh testing out this one product right now with a company um I have some interest in that uh developed, like, a pharmaceutical-grade formula. They did some tests already, and it's interesting because I guess you can definitely get high topically from the hoo-ha. Um, so anyway, like, what their delivery technology was uh, using THC for is to activate the the neurons in the area so you that know, you I don't just... actually get high. You get that, you know, um, a better working
4: vagina, I guess. It can get it can access to your <laughs> systemic circulation. It definitely can, coming from the vagina. It, it can. So
5: is this a form so, of vaginal rejuvenation therapy? No, but I'm, with,
11: I'm, I'm, I'm wondering
4: I'm how with, they're with getting I'm the Dr. FDA Dr.
10: recommendations Dr. because the FDA, you know, really is sort of on a war against lubricants. It's very, very difficult to bring a lubricant into formulation. And so, I mean, seeing these super high THC intravaginal delivery systems, I mean, I queried the companies, like, how how are you guys getting this done? Because I, I, I can't, you, whenever you make a lubricant, you have to call it a personal oil or, you know, something else. It's just, it's very difficult to um, do something intravaginally and get the FDA to allow you to stay in business. But they said that because it's a cannabis product, they don't have the same rules. And I, I, I have not gone any further to determine if, there's, if that's accurate or not.
11: Well, I'm with Dr. Felicia. I think we also need to look at this, uh, this, this powerful plant from a medical perspective. And there are women who are suffering. And um, I know that this is a priority in this story, but there is a medical efficacy for this plant from a vag- vaginal um, perspective. Um, I know there's a young lady up in Antoinette Gomez has a line of suppositories up in Canada um, that's focused on women health. So um, let's don't forget that.
10: I also like the idea of focusing on women having fun. I mean, it feels like every time we talk about women and their sexuality, we talk about irregular cycles or dysperunia or problems, you know. But um, and, and but for a lot of women, there's not a lot of problems and it's just a lot of fun <laughs> and it makes it more fun, you know. So why not? Yeah. You
2: got to make sure yes. if you guys are out there about to have sex and you, and you choose to consume before, make sure you tell your partner that you are high.
8: Yeah, I, I want to I challenge the science community to come up because I, I know that like a big uh, misnomer is that there was a study that was published a long time ago about men and how it uh, it's lessens the sperm count in men. Um, I want to challenge that because I, I really, you know, I think that all of these different studies, the, the, the facts that have been, you know, floated around, um, so far need to be challenged. The, these studies are a long time, you know, uh, overdue. And, uh, there are men that, uh, you know, really can benefit from using cannabis, uh, with sex as well.
7: Part of the I, Madness thought, mythology. I, I thought, I
5: thought, I thought the, I thought the thing was, uh, if you, if you smoked weed and you smoked seeds, then that w- would be what lowers the sperm count, not actually just smoking cannabis. That's what my I think, there, told I think me. there
10: is a direct effect on sperm production through the Leydig cells in the uh, in the uh, testicles. It's not that the cells themselves are directly affected, but it's it impacts uh, some cells that support the Leydig cells. But I'd have to go back and learn more. But that actually was recently studied. What they did was they took samples of people who had undergone biopsies for a different reason. And if they were using cannabis, they went back and looked at the biopsies, and they were able to prove that it does, in fact, impact spermatogenesis. But I think Bob Marley had, like, 44 kids, didn't he? <laughs> Some an insane number of children. So it doesn't seem to be
8: a massive impact, right? Right. right. That's what I'm saying. Like We need to find I got, out like, we got, the I facts think, about I think it. we, need
5: to, I think we need to put a condom on this one and wrap it up. <laughs>
7: <laughs> Arr,
9: oh.
5: yeah! Wrap that shit up. Coming I up next to the stage, we have Shalina Panu. She's an attorney at law focused on bridging the gap between no, cannabis not entertainment. No, not and Shalina. Psychology.
1: Sorry, Shalina doesn't have a story. It's Doctor Felicia.
5: Oh well, Doctor Felicia, I apologize, Doctor Felicia. Dr. Felicia Dawson, she's the Plants for Life CEO and a dual board certified physician well-known for helping folks understand and manifest their orgasms' immense intimate powers over their personal health by using cannabis as it was intended. Dr. Felicia, what do you have for us today?
4: Thank you, Jason. Yes, I believe every woman has the right to an orgasm and everyone can. Um, My story comes from Medscape.com, Cannabis Exposure in Pregnancy, Linked with Childhood Obesity, by Ashley Lyles. A study came out in the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism. Um, And the study participants are coming from a larger group um, called the Healthy Start Study, uh, a group of 1,400 mother-child pairs, Um, And this group was put together to try to better understand the contribution of metabolic and behavioral factors uh, during pregnancy that could contribute to obesity and insulin resistance. Um, This particular one on cannabis exposure looked at 103 sets of mother-child pairs. In this study, who delivered at the University of Colorado Hospital between 2010-2014, the moms were assessed at 17 weeks to 27 weeks and also at delivery. Blood and urine was collected from the moms at the 27 week visit. 15% of those urine drug tests came back positive for cannabis or one of its metabolites. Those women were then, uh, their childs were then assessed at birth and then again, right before they turned five years of age, they looked at multiple markers for uh, blood sugar, insulin, body mass composition, And they found that in the cannabis-exposed infants, uh, the fasting glucose, fat-free mass, fat mass, and adiposity was elevated at around five years of age. They did not find a relationship between cannabis exposure and body mass index, insulin resistance, and fasting insulin levels. The authors state that the study limitations included small sample size, Uh, self-report data on cannabis use, so we don't know how they used cannabis. There was um, some self-report data on breastfeeding and they're stating that it's possible that some moms may have over-reported how long they breastfed the babies um, in an effort to appear like better moms. But breastfeeding is very important because if, if a child is breastfed exclusively for the first six months of life without any outside formula or food, they have a decreased risk of obesity. Another limitation was only one urine drug test done during the whole pregnancy. There was no information on maternal diet, which is also important because a maternal diet high in fat or sugar increases the risk of obesity in the child. And there was no formal glucose tolerance test done in the children. Now, the authors do admit that there seems to be two bodies of research, one that says cannabis increases obesity, increases insulin levels, increases diabetes, and then you have another body of evidence that states that it does the exact opposite. They feel that perhaps it's because there's differences in assessment of body composition that could possibly explain the conflicting results of other studies. This is Dr. Felicia Dawson reporting for the State of Cannabis News Hour.
2: It's a very good story, Dr. Felicia, and sorry that we can't really comment on it because we do have to uh, hop. To the next story so we can get um, these done uh, for the day up next she's a florida-based entrepreneurial boss that runs the ultimate lifestyle brand black buddha cannabis and is the founder and ceo of Minor- minorities for medical marijuana at the same damn time come to the stage next from the great state of florida rise mccarthy what you got for us
11: Hey, 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 everybody. I'm actually in the great state of Kentucky right now. I was stuck, and um, so I'm waiting for my plane to take me back to Florida. But today's article and this headline comes from MJ Biz Daily, and it states, Standards Organizations Look to Create Uniform Cannabis Testing Methods. And this is by um, Omar, I can't pronounce your last name, Omar, but um, he's the reporter on this story. Um, Long story short, having consistent testing methods is an important step for marijuana executives because it will help to harmonize standards that, so far, vary greatly from state to state. Those inconsistencies and the lack of defined testing methods raise the risk of errors and product recalls for businesses. Standardized testing methods can reduce those risks and give new and existing labs proven and certified procedures to refer to sparing them from the time and cost of developing their own methods. The big benefit of standard methods is if you're a new laboratory opening up and you need to make measurements, there are methods that have been fully evaluated that, can have, that you can have confidence in, said Walter Brent Wilson, head of the Cannabis Quality Assurance Program at the National Institute of Standards and Technology a federal laboratory operating under the auspice of the u.s department of commerce we have to be a part of anything that is involved with the sales and commerce and transactions which i think is laughable that you want to be involved in the sales and commerce but you don't want to legalize but that's i will not get off topic how the standards are set the good news is that the effort to harmonize standards is well underway and some of the world's most respected standard groups are involved groups like astm which um this organization uh, ASTM Include International which is the first to publish a cannabis test standard that standard was for water activity says Susan Ardino a chemist consultant and chair of the cannabis working group at AOAC International a Maryland based standards body AOAC International is a standards organization for agricultural commodities it has published a handful of standards since developing a cannabis program and has more in the pipeline um, She also added that that several states now require laboratories to either use a published AOAC method or develop methods that meet the organization's performance requirements. Of course, vigorous vetting is important. Under this rubric, rubric, multiple testing methods can be approved for standardization. In other words, there is rarely just one correct testing method. That means that if a homogenized Um, sample of cannabis is sent to multiple laboratories that use different testing methods, their results should, in theory, be able to get the same value barring human error or other unforeseen circumstances. Standard testing methods go through a very rigorous process to get approval, he added. Um, Of course, there's been issues about fraud, enforcement, and standard limits. Standardizing testing methods would go a long way to advance quality control and eliminate fraudulent testing results if cannabis companies submit misleading samples or labs inflate THC levels or pass contaminated products. I'll end right here and just... um, Put, um, put this out here that I am in favor of standardized testing. I believe there's too many variants state by state, and it'll be interesting to find out what the future of this looks like and how these different organizations are going to come together and create standards for the industry. I'm Roz McCarthy. Sign off from the State of Cannabis News Hour. Would love to hear your thoughts.
4: I agree on standardization, and I agree with surprise visits to so make sure everybody's doing what they say they're doing. I'm all for it. Uh, even
11: just to have a method that everybody's on the same page because it was – what jumped out to me is is that your method for testing in Oklahoma could be totally different than your method for testing in Florida. And if you had something that approved the method across the board, that would be great. All right. Coming up next, thank you so much for those comments, Ros and Dr. Felicia. Coming up
5: next to round us out, we have Gretchen Gailey. She's a feisty, redheaded conservative, proudly claims her Mayflower roots and never backs down when challenged by pot loving libs across the aisle. Founder of Panoptic Strategies in our very own industry, Washington insider Gretchen Gailey, what do you have for us this morning?
3: Thank you, Jason. My headline won't take long. It is White House won't say if Biden supports federal marijuana legalization bill passed by House. In a nutshell, the answer is no, he's not going to do Jack. Uh, Jen Saki, the press secretary, was asked about the MORE Act passing uh, this past week, and she said uh, Lord, that we agree that we need to rethink our approach to cannabis. Um, and she looks forward to working with Congress to achieve their shared goals, and we will continue having discussions with them about this objective, a.k.a. we're not going to fucking do it. Uh, this is Gretchen State of Cannabis News Hour.
1: Just say no, Joe. (laughs) Just say no, Joe. Thank you so much, Gretchen, for uh, wrapping that up quickly. We're at the end of the show. It was really good, but if you missed any of it, make sure to catch the replay or find us a few hours after the show anywhere you get your podcasts or on our YouTube channel. And if you like the content, please subscribe and leave a review. A big thank you to all of the correspondents that comb through all the headlines each day to bring us just what we need to know. A big thank you to Rico and Jason for co-producing producing the show and for our pinup girl JaJa Simone Brown. Thank you audience for being our, our eyes and ears when there's news in your city, county, state or country. Your addition to our show makes the State of Cannabis News Hour, news you can trust.
0: You've been tuned in to the State of Cannabis News Hour, where we collectively move policy forward in an inclusive and sustainable way. Start your morning on a high note and join us every weekday at 9 a.m. Pacific time for the State of Cannabis News Hour. Your daily dose.
1: Say goodbye, Rico.
7: Goodbye. Jeez.